Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Friday, June 2nd. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Today, the era of over-the-top weddings is upon us. Plus, do you get support from your employer when it comes to menopause? But first, what the debt ceiling deal says about future fights in Washington. Our weekly politics state of play is today's one big thing. The Senate has passed a debt ceiling bill, and it's now headed to President Biden's desk. And while the bill would suspend the debt ceiling and avert default, it comes at a cost. Axios' Hans Nichols has been our eye on the debt negotiations and is here to wrap up the week with what this whole process tells us about the future of parties and government spending. Hey, Hans. Wow, that's a lot. But OK, let's go cosmic. Let's start with the aftermath of all of this for Kevin McCarthy and the GOP. Have relations within the Republican Party been damaged by how all of this went down? Well, I wouldn't say damaged. I'd say McCarthy's position is strengthened. There was a challenge by conservatives and it failed. Now, you know, they dented him. But, you know, McCarthy, at least, and his allies feel like he's in a better position exiting this process than he was entering it. What about on the Democratic side? They've kind of agreed to not make too big of a deal of this and claim victory. They had a decision to make on whether or not they could just book the win and say this is a great deal, the Democrats, or whether or not progressives could really revolt. And it looks like they decided to take the win and to do their own victory lap. And they showed that by voting. And when you see, you know, more Democrats voting for this final package in the House than Republicans, that's an indication that House Democrats want to get behind this. They want to get behind the president. And importantly, yeah, there's a little bit of trying to embarrass McCarthy there. But importantly, you know, they've spent the last six months talking about how irresponsible it is to vote against a debt ceiling increase. And then when they're presented with a debt ceiling increase, even if it has some stuff that they don't necessarily love, it would have been difficult for them to vote against it. Hans, earlier in the week, you did talk about this being a victory for bipartisanship. So I guess my question to you is, Isn't that generally what the majority of voters say they want from Washington? How much do voters care about whether their representatives or senators voted yes or no on this? There probably isn't a great deal of like, you know, unless you are really a passionate conservative or a passionate progressive, you probably don't care one way or the other. You would have cared had the debt ceiling been triggered and been breached and there would have been a great deal of economic pain and hardship. The big picture here, though, is the next thing that could potentially be tackled, which is either immigration and or, you know, sort of energy and permitting reform. Those are going to be harder to get done, especially immigration, because there's no sort of Damocles hanging over you on immigration. That's one of the reasons why the debt ceiling worked, right? This whole debate worked is that if you didn't come to an agreement, there would have been pain. So that said, has this process taught us anything about how future debates will unfold, especially in the next year and a half? It's taught us that it's possible and that if McCarthy and Biden are willing to forsake their bases, they can find a compromise. I just don't know if there's the incentive for McCarthy to do so, but there's a roadmap, right? It is, you know, lose roughly a third of your conference and find a common ground with Biden in the middle. The question on McCarthy's conference is whether or not conservatives are going to try to move the goalpost. And the old sort of red line was McCarthy had to have a majority of a majority. Well, he got two thirds this time. You're starting to hear chatter that the new sort of potential proximate cause for the motion to vacate, which is basically firing Kevin McCarthy, is going to be if something comes to the floor that gets more Democratic votes than Republican votes, which is what happened this time. 
And if that new threat is issued and that's out there, then McCarthy will have to to look over his shoulder. But let me be clear, even if the threat is issued, McCarthy doesn't have to acknowledge it. And his body language right now is that he's in charge. They tried to come after him. It wasn't successful. And that, which doesn't kill a speaker, makes him or her stronger. Hans Nichols is part of Axios' politics team. Thanks, Hans. Thanks for having me. In a moment, why almost every aspect of weddings is getting more expensive. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boudou. If you're planning or attending a wedding this year, you've no doubt noticed the very high costs. Well, Axios reporter Erica Pandy says that's part of an over-the-top wedding trend that may be hitting its peak. Axios senior contributor Margaret Tollive chatted with Erica this week as they're both planning their own weddings to get the story. So, Erica, I'm also going to become a summer bride this year. You're getting married this fall. Sounds like maybe we need to brace ourselves. What's different about this year's wedding economics? So, Margaret, you've probably seen it on the front lines as I have, but vendor prices are quite high. And I thought I was just imagining things, but it turns out that 77% of wedding vendors surveyed in a recent study said they'd be raising their rates in 2023. And that's according to CNBC. 2022 had the most weddings the U.S. has seen since 1984. There's been just so much pent-up demand of couples who got engaged and we're seeing a rise of the role of social media in wedding planning. So before it used to be that you're planning a wedding, maybe you get a bridal magazine, you flip through, you get a couple of ideas. Now you go on Pinterest or TikTok or Instagram and suddenly you've got hours of ideas to go through. And so many people are having weddings that everybody wants their wedding to be special. So we're talking fun facts and pet faces on custom napkins. We're talking logos on your drink stirrer or maybe even projected onto your drink itself. We're talking custom dance floor wraps and it just adds up. Oh my God. I don't even ask you what a custom dance floor wrap is, but on top of all of that, is inflation playing a role in these wedding costs also? Absolutely. So it's kind of a a twofer with inflation and demand. And that's why a lot of these vendors are raising their rates. But, you know, the price of some wedding vendors is pretty significantly outpacing inflation. So U.S. inflation 2019 to 2022 was 14%, but the cost of a DJ went up 25% in that same time. So there is kind of a wedding boom there that's even going beyond inflation because of that supercharged demand. What are we talking about for an average cost of a wedding in 2023? The average cost of a wedding in 2023 is $29,000. That ticked up from $28,000 in 2022. Wedding planners kind of warn their clients, you know, not to expect to get their dream wedding for that price because that includes weddings all over the country. That includes smaller weddings. That includes DIY weddings. So so that's even more in some places. For example, my wedding is in the great, much maligned, but lovely state of New Jersey. And the average price of a wedding there is more like $44,000. So the prices are climbing. They're getting higher than what we've seen. And a lot of it is because of inflation. But a lot of it is also because of these really over-the-top personalizations that people want to do. And all of that is hitting guests' wallets as well. How so? So here's a here's a stat that I saw when I was reporting the story that really gave me pause, which is that 40% of wedding guests in the past five years have gone into debt to be there. And that's according to a recent LendingTree survey. 
And that number jumps to 62% when you consider guests who are also in the bridal party. You know, people are getting on flights to go to weddings or booking hotels. If they're in the party, they're going to really elaborate bachelorette and bachelor parties. Also, there's this COVID effect of a lot of your friends who may have been in the same city as you might have moved away and want to have their wedding in their new home. Is there any good news? Has anything gotten cheaper at all? Yes, I'll give you two pieces of silver lining. One is the wedding industry includes a lot of small local businesses, many of them women owned, and they're all getting a big economic boost during this time. And that's really awesome. There is one wedding cost that's bucking this trend and declining. It's actually gone down 3% in price over the last three years. And that is groom's attire. And that's because grooms are increasingly going for more casual outfits than tuxedos. Many of them are renting. And so, yeah, good to be a groom, I guess. Amen. We should all follow their example. That's Axios' Margaret Tolive speaking with reporter Erica Pandy. Before we go, next week, I'll be speaking with Axios' Emily Peck about her reporting on menopause in the workplace, specifically about a disconnect between employers who think they're doing a good job supporting workers going through menopause and employees who aren't seeing that happen. So here's my question for you. Does your employer talk about menopause or offer support? If not, how would you like them to? Record a voice memo with your name and thoughts, and we may air it next week. You can text that to me at 202-918-4893 or email it to us at podcasts at axios.com. That's it for us this week. Axios Today is produced by Fonda Mwangi, Lydia McMullen-Laird, and Robin Lin, along with senior sound engineer Alex Sugiara. Alexandra Boti is our supervising producer. Asia Whitaker-Moore is Axios's executive editor, and Sarah Kailani Gu is Axios's editor-in-chief. I'm Nyla Boudou. Stay safe, enjoy your weekend, and we'll see you back here on Monday. If you love diving deep into the stories shaping our lives, you'll love TED Talks Daily, with a new TED Talk every day to help you go beyond the headlines and explore the big ideas shaping our future. This summer, they delve into the ethics of AI, transforming the foster care system, building mental fitness, and more. Make your daily routine a little more curious. Find TED Talks Daily wherever you get your podcasts.